0: Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from LCP Delta. I'm John Slow,
1: And I'm Sandra Trutine And together we are exploring how the energy transition is unfolding across Europe through conversations with guests from the leading edge of the transition.
0: Hello, and welcome to the episode. Hello, Sandra.
1: Hey John, how are you doing?
0: Good, thanks. Back into it after the Christmas break. This is the first episode of 2024.
1: Exciting to come.
0: Yes, and excited today because we're talking with a founder of a company that's about two years old. We're going to introduce him in a sec. As I've come back from the Christmas break, I've come back even more determined to do what I can, what we can to push the energy transition forward. And the thing that's in my mind, Sandra, is speed and time. We're not going fast enough and we don't have enough time.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a good reflection. And I think the topic we are going to talk about today with the, in the e mobility space, I think will be crucial, right? Because we all know that transport makes a big bunch of our emissions and of our usage of, let's say, fuels. And I think in the e mobility space, will it be in the B2C, but also then transport, logistics, et cetera, in the future? That, that's really crucial to, yeah. to get on changing.
0: And we're talking with someone who set up their own company two years ago who brings that energy that passion that drive mm. i think we're here to push <laughs> things forward at a fast rate so let's say hello to our guest teddy Flatto, co-founder and ceo of wevo
2: hello teddy hi john hi sandra very excited to be here
0: teddy for our listeners that aren't familiar with wevo can you tell our listeners what wevo is in a nutshell an elevator pitch for Wevo? definitely
2: Wevo is a charge-point management system. We manage electrical vehicle chargers. We focus on the high-density locations. While there's many companies who do EV charging for public chargers or gas stations or that thing, while we do that, our strength is focusing where there's, there are many, 100 chargers, 50 chargers in the building, whether it's a workplace or a, an apartment building. And we make sure that those charges operate according to the user needs. So we optimize the charging times, the charging speed, who charges first, who charges second, when they charge, and we actually make sure that everybody has their car ready when they need that, and that they get it at the lowest cost of energy, the cleanest energy, and with the least amount of infrastructure upgrades.
1: That's really interesting, right? Because coming back to your point of speed, John, this should help us to get going uh, quicker because what we hear now is that often there are constraints in construction given by the infrastructure, right? Having just a look at the Netherlands, for example, where projects in many different areas just get stuck because there's grid constraints on it. So it must be a, a hot market for you, Teddy, at the moment. It is a
2: hot and it's getting hotter because as more people use EVs, it becomes mainstream. So while in the past only the affluent would use an EV and many of those would be living in a private home, we're now seeing more and more people embrace EVs. And those people live in apartment buildings, they work in congested offices in, in urban areas. And that's where the problem of energy really shows. We're seeing good growth of our business. And actually, we, we have quite a unique solution in the market. And I'm happy to speak more about this later.
0: So, Teddy, you, you used to work with Centrica and you set up Wevo a couple of years ago. Tell us a bit about the personal side. So, why start Wevo? Why leave Centrica? What
2: was Spark? Tell us a bit about that. So I've been an entrepreneur most of my adult life. I'm an electrical engineer by education, but I was always attracted to smaller companies, startups. Actually, Wevo is my fourth startup. And even Centrica, I got to Centrica through an acquisition of my previous startup, Anarami Power. So when I joined Centrica, it took about a couple of years to integrate the previous company into Centrica. And then... There was an opening at Centrica Innovation, a group reporting to the Centrica CTO at that time. And they were looking for somebody to lead if you charge you. And I jumped at this opportunity. And actually for two years, I worked at Centrica Innovation, the innovation arm of Centrica, defining and working on smart charging, mainly in the UK. Launching what now is known as Hive Charging, the solution that Centrica British Gas introduced to thousands of users in the UK. But at some point, I felt that I wanted to create something of my own, and I was attracted again to the startup life. Working in an enterprise is very comfortable, but it's as exciting as working in a startup definitely founding your own startup. And Centrica was focusing mainly on private homes, and we started to feel that there was a huge need of expanding EV charging to... Apartment buildings and workplaces. Nobody was catering for that. We started the company Adi, my my co-founder and myself, by actually going to our friends and family members who live in a parking building and tell them ask us to put a charger in your parking lot. And there was not a good answer. Not in the UK. Not in the US. Not in Israel. And then we say, "Oh, there's something here that can be addressed." And then we started were to basically address that, that need.
0: Very exciting. And how far have you got today? It's two years old approximately it gives us a sense of what's happened in the two years. So we've been very
2: busy. We're now about uh, 20 employees. We are active in the US, U.S., Europe, we're active in the U.K., Germany, France, Nordics, Spain, Netherlands. And... Certainly, a, certainly a busy two years, isn't <laughs> Busy two years, yeah. From a number of installations, we have over 500 Bing sites. Some of them as small as five chargers, but many of them with thousands of chargers. Our largest installation is 3,000 parking spaces and about 30,000 parking spaces in total that are being electrified globally. So quite an exponential growth. And we're very excited about this.
1: Sounds great. And then with my background of flexibility, stepping a bit more into the solution, I get immediately interested if I hear like thousands of charters is, wow, that's also capacity for flexibility trading, right? Which goes a bit, let's say, or can be aligned with your even local optimization. So have you ever thought in that direction as well? Or how would you see that topic?
2: Of course, one of the things we did, I did in Centrica and and some of the team members, we were managing flexibility in the US and Europe. And definitely this is a big part of the future. There are some low hanging fruits that we're already capturing. For example, in an apartment building, people come home at 6 p.m., all of them plug in their car. And if you do nothing, everybody charges at 6 p.m., and probably the electrical breaker is gonna trip because there's not enough power in the building for everybody. So the first thing we do is we look at the building constraints to basically do load management, load balancing, to charge only to the required, to the available capacity of the building. But then you can start adding more inputs to the algorithm. For example, energy prices in the UK, in the US, and and, and now starting to be in Germany also, we're starting to see time of use charges so that when the grid is less congested, the price of the energy goes down. And since we are connecting to the common area of the building, they can enjoy those benefits. So we can now start charging like at 10 p.m. or midnight whenever the rates go down and save money for the drivers. But the next big thing is to actually connect to ancillary services, flexibility service, and so on, and then start impacting the grid. This is definitely something that we're starting to do. And as we get more and more capacity, the virtual power plant aspect of EV charging will become more and more important to manage the the load on the buildings.
1: And this is then getting also quite exciting, I would say, because it's as you were saying already, it's growing so quickly and so much, right? It's, you know, it's really an important piece, I think, for the future.
2: Definitely, a typical household that has an electrical vehicle, about half of the consumption, of the apartment comes from the EV. So we have this asset which has a very high consumption, but it's also very flexible. It's very hard to change your. Heating or cooling or cooking habits. But an average EV charges between one and two hours per day. And and so people don't really care if they charge at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., or 2 in the morning. What we do is ensure they're ready in the morning. So we employ AI analytics. We learn the habits of the people, of the tenants, and we know that they're typically leaving at 9 a.m. So we find the best time slot to charge the car so that they're always ready when they have to leave. But within those hours to be plugging and when they leave we find the least congested and lowest cost times the charge automatically they can of course always override this by pressing a button but then they would have to pay a little bit more. Yeah makes sense. Daddy I'm interested in what you said when earlier when you
0: said you talked to your friends or family about charging in apartments and it was hard that if you live in an apartment it's hard to charge your EV there. Tell us a bit about why what you found the problem was and how we those addressing that? There.
2: there are multiple levels of the issues. So the first one is where do you connect the charger? So let's say you live in an apartment building with an underground parking garage. Let's even say you have a deeded apartment space. It's your own. Where do you take the power from? So one option, let's say you live in an eighth floor is to have an electrician put some wire into your eighth floor uh, and an but then you have to get approval of the house board or the list yeah. holder. I don't, or, I don't mind yeah. the idea of trying to do that. <laughs> so that's definitely not going to work. The yeah. other option is you connect, you get your own dedicated utility connection. That's not supported in many uh, countries. And that feels like and a lot of hassle as well. A lot of paperwork. Exactly. And many utilities don't want to do that because imagine a hundred tenants in a building, each one needing to put their own meter, and that's very complex. So the obvious solution is to connect to the common area of power, let's say there's already some power in that garage that's controlling the lighting and the ventilation in the garage. So what we saw in most cases is that they got the approval from the house board or the landlord, and typically the first one or two drivers are okay because they get their permission, they get a certified electrician, they connect the panels. But then what happens when you get over three or four, what happens suddenly every day at 6 p.m., the power trips and then the garage is dark and they call the electrician and the electrician says, oh, sorry, that panel wasn't made for EV; It was made for lighting. And then typically what we saw is there's a note from the house board or the landlord saying, sorry, we don't install any more EV chargers. The load management then becomes a crux. Exactly, but also the billing. Now, in those initial use cases, the first three tenants would put their own submitter and somebody from the house board would go with a pencil and a note and take the readings and then over WhatsApp or email say, oh, you owe us this amount. That's not very scalable because they have to reimburse the building for the cost of the power. We've automated all of that. We do load balancing so that we can actually increase the capacity of parking lot about between 10 to 20 times compared to non-managed. Most buildings don't have an energy problem. They have a power problem. So by splitting this and spreading this across the day, we can actually do that. And the other thing we do is we handle billing. So every tenant puts their credit card. We collect the money from the tenants and then pay the landlord or the house board or the leaseholder, depending on the the financial structure for the energy costs.
1: Just getting one more question on the load balancing, because out of my own experience, actually, I'm living in an area where we share like 20 different parking lots in one garage. Each parking lot is assigned to a single owner. Exactly what you were describing happened. The utility at one point said you first have to put some kind of load balancing in there before we can allow more than three installations. But how important would you see brand agnostic approaches there? Because now we have, let's say, four EVs in the garage, right? But the last parking lots will be equipped probably in 10 years from now or even in 15 years. And I'm not sure if all the brands will still exist or... How would you see this evolvement and how this can fit together or how can you make sure this always fits together, right? From a technical point of view.
2: Amazing question, Sandra. So first of all, I want to reassure you're not alone. In Switzerland, 60% of people live in apartment buildings. Yeah. You've hit the problem at the head. There are charger companies who say, I can do that with my charger. The problem is that those are typically proprietary solutions that only work with those chargers. And there are two major problems with that. First of all, you're locked into that charger vendor, and then you, later there may be better solutions uh, or, or the price can go down and you can't mix and match. But, but the biggest problem is companies may not exist. And so people are very really concerned about putting all their eggs in one basket. Luckily, there is a standard, and that standard is OCPP, the Open Charge Point Protocol, which standardizes the way charging communicate with management systems. Wevo Energy is an Open Charge Alliance member. We are OCPP certified, and everything we do is standard. So we're hardware agnostic; We support any charger, and the beauty is that you can then, then mix and match. You can put different management systems, and we insist that open protocols is the key going forward. Teddy, in the two years that you've been working
0: on this, what have you learned that you didn't expect, or what has surprised
2: you? I think one of the things that surprised me is that each market is very unique, and there are different things driving different markets. For example, when we started working in the US, it took us a while to understand that it's really driven by incentives. The government is really trying to push very hard to move forward. In the U.S., in some areas, you can get 90% of rebates to install EV charges at your apartment. So it's very important to work with the utilities, with the incentive plans to make sure your solution is approved. That's why one of the key decisions we made is that we're going to hire salespeople and support people in the countries that speak the language, that live in the country, that understand the culture. So we're not going to run everything from headquarters.
0: It's going to be a very distributed organization. That's interesting because the energy markets do vary massively from country to country. But to drive the transition forward at the scale and speed we talked about at the beginning, I think you need international companies with particularly in the plat- when you're talking about software platforms, you need scale, you need to be multi-market. So it's a real challenge sometimes, I think, to bring that multi-market, scalable platform to very individual markets.
2: Yeah, I think the technology is the same and the product is the same. It's the go-to-market that changes. Our solution is a good fit for most of the countries, but you do have to modify and adapt your go-to-market and your messages per country and per region. But the, the bulk of the product is the same. We have made very little changes across different territories.
0: So like 80% common, 20% tweaks and localization. Yes. And what about the next years looking forward? I imagine your ambitions so... are a, a, an a exponential curve in terms of growth, but what's going to be the one or two things that think will be your biggest challenge or that keep you awake at night or that you think you've got to absolutely nail
2: to succeed our slogan our tagline is electrify every parking space and we do really believe in that because we see the growth of EV and and the price going down i I think it's going to become more and more commodity and everybody really need to have an EV in charging. And so that's our mission. Research says that 80% of the charging is either at home or at work, and only like between 10 to 5% is gonna be on the go. So we need to make that very easy, very inexpensive, and very natural. Like you're charging your phone. You come home, you plug in your phone, you don't worry about it. And so that's what we think about. I think the next step is what, what the Sandra spoke about is integration with the grid, but I would even say take it to integration with solar and local generation. We have Edge is one of our investors and we have a, a strategic partnership with them. Actually, this week we launched the integration to the solar Edge inverters and the ability for the system to tie charging to solar uh, production so that you always use your local generation Instead of buying energy expensive from the grid and exporting at low cost, based on pricing in Europe now, you can actually save two thirds of the charging costs by if integrating the charging with the uh, solar of production. I think that's fascinating
0: how the, the journey from charging EV load balancing to optimizing distributed assets at a building or at a location. Sandra, a what hands- do you think about those two directions, that sort of grid flexibility and that local optimization?
1: So I think, personally, I think there it's good to have a prioritization for the local optimization, right? Because this is where the energy is produced. It's local consumption. It's normally renewable uh, production, right? Which gets consumed. So I'm personally really convinced it should be first locally consumed. And then you can do all the add-ons, right? Like optimization against flexible tariffs for the remaining part of the charging add on any kind of flexibility services either to grid or to trading optimization i think it's like a staging process where i'm always surprised on it's a little bit that there's still more work in general to be done on the on-site and hems optimization than i thought personally and this does not only relate to vivo but in in general to many companies also out of the charging right that I personally had the impression always that the local optimization is far more advanced than what we are seeing now. But it's good. We are on the right path. And then we come back to the topic of speed, John, right, that you mentioned. Now we really have to get that done as quickly as possible.
0: So Teddy, we're getting to the point now where we're up the talking new energy crystal ball and let's build on. Sandra is saying about speed and look at 2030. We'll set the dial this week to 2030. Give us a picture of Wevo in 2030. What's your vision? What would you like to have achieved with Wevo? So we're in
2: 2030. You're giving an elevator pitch for Wevo. What does it look like? In 2030, I want to be to have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of parking spaces on the platform. I see Wevo Energy as a strong player in the energy space, combining energy, mobility, and AI or machine learning. That's what we're here to do. As we were saying at the beginning, Teddy,
0: that transition needs and that speed and that drive that I'm sure you're bringing to the sector. So congratulations in everything you've achieved so far in
2: two short years and wishing you Thank all you. the best for the next years. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's been a pleasure meeting you. And Sandra, we should definitely speak about your parking garage.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you great. so much, Eddie.
2: Sandra, a lot of our
0: podcasts are coming back to your analogies to your heat pump or your, now your parking garage.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's great to be in that electrification phase. So I get all this experience hands-on myself.
0: I would imagine a lot of similarities between what Teddy was talking about and your experience at Chico, and then your work after that in virtual power plants, bringing together distributed assets, solving a local, solving a specific problem, but then using those assets for the wider energy system.
1: Yeah. And it's getting much more interesting now, right? Because 10 years ago, I think. It was all about the technical capabilities and the, the capabilities of showing that it's possible to control distributed energy assets. Now it's much more in optimizing on the algorithm side, also having the different kind of inputs because formerly you just had the asset and probably personal constraints or usage constraints of the consumer. Now you start to have grid constraints on top. You start to have tariff constraints, right, because there are more and more flexible tariffs coming up. You also have different market opportunities in putting flexibility, not only on grid services like ancillary services, but also trading is now much more worthable. I think in that space, it's getting much more interesting out of that complexity reason. And the second thing yeah. is that the distributed energy assets are finally growing, right? And I see that as one of the biggest topics for this year, right? Can we keep on that trajectory growth path on mobility, but also on storage, solar, et cetera, that we were seeing over the last years? But how about you, John? What's your take on the e-mobility space for 2024?
0: I think what Teddy was saying about it becoming more and more mainstream. I think back to when at LCP Delta, we started our EV charging research and the question we were looking at was how will people charge? question we're now looking at is how are people charging but it's moving so quickly before from that innovator early adopter segment into the mainstream and I think there'll be increasing frustrations you and I Sandra we don't mind putting up with planning our journeys and charging and becoming quite involved in it because it's what excites us it's our job but for a lot of people they just want simple easy solutions and companies like Teddy's and others i think are so critical that they move fast enough to offer customers a simple easy solutions because i think so many people if it becomes painful and difficult they'll give up so
1: let's try to support them right and let's get that yeah. going
0: yeah back to that speed and time Let's leave it there for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to welcoming you back next week.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We are excited to bring you captivating conversations from the leading edge of Europe's energy transition. If you've got suggestions for topics or guests for future episodes, please let us know. And if
0: you're enjoying the podcast, then please do rate it and share it with colleagues. For show notes, transcripts and more, please visit lcpdelta.com.